feel free to grab a Bible from the back table if you haven't got one. Colossians chapter 1 from verse 15. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behaviour. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you wholly in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation, if you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Thanks, Hannah. Let's pray before we dig into that, uh, those words. Let's pray. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you for the wonder of the cross, the wonder of the death of Jesus. Uh, and uh, Lord, we pray that as we reflect on that now, that you would open our eyes to understand it. Lord, maybe not all of us do grasp the significance of Jesus' death. Uh, Lord, maybe not all of us grasp it as deeply as we could. Uh, surely that's true, Lord, of all of us. And so we ask that as we Reflect now on what the death of Jesus achieved. We ask that you would open the eyes of our hearts that we might not simply understand these things, Lord, but that we would be captivated by them, that our hearts would be set ablaze, not only to trust you, but, Lord, to worship and glorify you in all that we do. We ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen. So over the weeks leading up to Easter, the last few weeks and uh, again today and in the coming uh, two weeks, we've been thinking about the cross of Jesus, uh, which is really just another way of saying that we've been thinking about the death uh, of Jesus and its significance. We've looked at how the death of Jesus is at the very centre of Christianity. It is the doorway that leads into everything else. We've looked at why Jesus had to die. We've looked at who Christ died for. And this coming Friday, Fred is going to be opening up for us those words of Jesus, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Then on Easter Sunday, Jacob will be taking us through what it means for our lives to be shaped by the death and resurrection. Now Jesus has not only died in history, but his death continues to shape how we live today. How so? That's what Jacob will be thinking about next Sunday. Today we're asking, what did the cross achieve? Now, at one level, uh, for those of you who are already Christians, the answer to that might seem really quite obvious. I mean, surely we know what the cross of Jesus, what the death of Jesus achieved. It might seem like a question with a fairly obvious answer. Surely it achieved forgiveness for sins, for all that we've done against God. 
And the answer is, of course, well, yes, it did do those things, but there are lots of other aspects to forgiveness as well, uh, lots of different ways that the Bible describes forgiveness. Uh, and there are many other things as well that flow from the death and the resurrection of Jesus as well. As I said before, the cross is a doorway, but it's a doorway that opens up not into a kind of a broom cupboard, you know, a few, kind of a small space, but it's a doorway that opens up into really an entire universe full of wonders that have been achieved by the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And so what we are going to do this morning is to open up some of those things. We don't have time to look at all the furniture in the room, uh, but we will look at some of the key uh, and most wonderful, if you like, pieces of furniture in the room that Jesus has opened up to us through his death. We're going to roam over different parts of the Bible. There'll be verses coming up on the slides, uh, that are, and we'll also be looking at those words that uh, Hannah read for us a moment ago. So we'll come to those words that Hannah read in a moment, but let's begin now uh, by thinking about some words a little bit later in Colossians, uh, in Colossians 2, verse 13 to 15. Uh, And that says, When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us he has taken it away nailing it to the cross and having disarmed the powers and authorities he made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them by the cross Uh, so what has the cross achieved well uh, there are a couple of things that paul says that the cross has achieved first of all it brought life it might seem a bit strange to say that jesus death brought life but that's one of the key things that it uh, it did It's a consequence, it's an outflow of the cross. His death uh, brought life, uh, the powerful resurrection life of Jesus in which we share. How does that come to us? How does that life come to us? How does it come through the cross? Well, Paul says it comes through God forgiving us all our sins. Or he says it here in another way, in in maybe a more pictorial way. He says it's come through God cancelling the charge of our legal indebtedness. Uh, In other words, we had this charge sheet, a rap sheet, and on it was listed all the offences that we had committed against God uh, and against uh, the world that he'd made and against the people that he'd made. We had this great long list of all our offences and God has dealt with that. But notice that God has dealt with it not just by tearing it up, But God has dealt with it by nailing it to the cross. You might remember uh, that when Jesus died, there was something put on the cross above his head. There was a sign put on the cross above his head. It said, Jesus, King of the Jews. Now, that was a a charge. That was the charge against Jesus. He was claiming in in the Roman world to be king in the place of Caesar. And so when he was crucified, that was the charge that was put above him. Of course, he is the king, the king of the whole world. But that was the charge against him. And God says that when Jesus died, our charge sheet, our rap sheet, was nailed to the cross as well. God hasn't just skated over our offences. He hasn't just kind of buried them. Uh, But he's dealt with them in the cross. 
And because he's dealt with them, because he's punished them, we don't have to worry that one day he'll suddenly find them again and bring them up and our relationship with God will be all over again. The message of the gospel is not that God's court system has got really, really busy dealing with everyone and our charge sheet has got lost in a pile of paperwork. He's forgotten about it and we spend our life hoping that he'll never find it. And so we live our lives then in a kind of a constant fear. You know, maybe today God will find all the things that I've done and, and they'll come to the surface again and, and, uh, and my relationship with God will, will, will go bad. No, the Bible says God hasn't lost the paperwork. God has deliberately brought all our sins and offences to the surface. He's put them on public display and dealt with them at the cross. We don't need to worry about the past sins if we trust in Jesus because God has dealt with them at the cross. And because of that, Paul says the cross has also disarmed and put to shame the rulers and authorities. Now, the rulers and authorities that he's talking about is not the Roman Empire, or the Australian government, or the Tasmanian government. The rulers and authorities in Colossians are the powers of Satan, the forces of, of evil arrayed against God. The Bible says they've been disarmed and shamed because all the because Jesus dealt with our charge sheet, all the ammunition that they had against us has been taken away. They can bring up accusations, but God just says, I already know about that, and it's been dealt with. They've been completely disarmed. There's no ammunition left that they can throw at us. No sin that you've committed can be brought up that would sever your relationship with God. We don't have to worry what might come to the surface. God knows and God has dealt with it at the cross of Jesus. When you and I deal with past evils, whether that's as individuals or as a society, the best that we can really do is to tear up the record, to bury it into the ground and hope that it won't come up again. But that's no way to live. God has done something far better. He's cancelled it. He's brought it to the surface and he's dealt with it. So that's the first thing. Uh, God has cancelled the record of our debt. He's nailed it to the cross uh, let's go back then to that passage that Hannah read for us before, uh, where we see something else that the death of Jesus achieved. Paul says in those verses that one of the key things that the cross achieved, the death of Jesus achieved, was reconciliation. He says uh, there in verse 19 and 20, he says, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. What does it mean to say that Jesus has brought reconciliation? Well, to reconcile means to bring two opposed parties back together. Now, the dictionary says it means to restore friendly relationships. 
we talk about it a lot in, our, in Australian society because of the issue between the Indigenous people and, uh, and uh, the rest of our society. That they, they are, the Aboriginal, the Indigenous people are calling for reconciliation. There is this hostility, there is this disagreement, there is this inability uh, to work together because of something that has happened. The Bible says that that's the situation uh, with us and God apart from Jesus. We're at odds with God. We can't move on. We can't, normal, we can't have normal relationships with each other because of things that have happened. Another way of expressing what the cross has done is Verse 20, to make peace. So it's important for us to understand that what the cross has achieved is not just kind of a legal transaction. So the Bible describes the cross in lo- using lots of different metaphors that all highlight different aspects that we need to hold together. If we just think about cancelling the record of debt, that's kind of very impersonal, isn't it? It's great, it's great that the, the, the record of debt has been dealt with. But if that's all that's been dealt with, that's kind of a bit empty. We're not just looking for a legal transaction, the stamped paperwork. We're looking for the, reconcilia- the relational reconciliation between us and God. Its purpose is to make peace between us and God. According to verse 21, we hated God, we were alienated from him, we sinned against God, we rebelled against God, we'd struck out against God. Our lives, apart from Jesus are mired in hating and despising God at every moment, at every turn. We try to get rid of him out of our world and out of our lives. And the consequence of that, the Bible says, is that we're God's enemies. We can't relate to him normally. But in the cross, Jesus' death has made peace. It's brought reconciliation. Jesus' death dealt with God's wrath against our rejection of him and brought us into his family. What good is it if the record is simply put away but the relationship is not restored? Imagine two old friends whose friendship is destroyed because one of the friends steals a large sum of money from the other. Maybe it's a business thing and in order to, one of them, in order to save his business, he steals from his old friend. Imagine that that friend who was robbed then somehow finds it in the goodness of his heart to to wipe out the debt. Uh, And says, you know what? You don't have to pay me back. That's great, but it's all for nothing really if they can't, be restored to the level of friendship that they had before that. It's no good if the debt is paid, but they go on for the rest of their lives in bitterness and acrimony and hatefulness. No, there needs to be not just dealing with the penalty, the debt, but there needs to be reconciliation. The Bible says that's what God has done in Jesus. He's paid the debt, and more than that, he's brought us into the family. That's how far the relationship has been reconciled, that he's brought us into his family, into the life and the love that his own son, the Lord Jesus Christ, experiences. 
And not only that, the Bible says, not only does he reconcile us so that we can be in the family, but he is transforming us and cleansing us so that we actually fit into the family. Paul says in verse 22 that God has reconciled us to himself in Jesus in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. The death of Jesus doesn't just wipe out the penalty for our hostility against God. It doesn't just restore our relationship with God to a peaceful one, but it opens the door for our perfection, for our transformation. You might know the story of the prodigal son. The prodigal son, in in that story uh, that Jesus tells, this son takes his inheritance early. He doesn't want to have anything to do with the family anymore. He takes the money from his father. He goes away to a foreign land. He leaves his family behind. He squanders his wealth and he ends up living with pigs. And he's so destitute that he's looking at what the pigs are eating and he says to himself, wow, that looks like a nice meal. If you know anything about pigs, that's not great. But he comes to his senses and he runs home. But what happens as he comes home? His father comes running out to him, doesn't he? He embraces him and he welcomes him into the house. But what else does he do? He brings out robes, doesn't he? You see, he's come back from the pigs. He's a stinking mass of dirt and filth. He can't go into the house looking like that. He can't fit into the family looking like that. He needs to be cleaned up. And the Bible says that that's what the death of Jesus has achieved, not just cancelling the debt, not just bringing us into the family, but in order that one day Jesus will present us holy and blameless, not just part of the family, but fitting in as well. Jesus' death has achieved for us our place in the family and, if you like, uh, our achieved for us the habits and the customs and the practices of the family as well in our life. So the death of Jesus has cancelled the record of debt. It's brought reconciliation and peace. It's made us fit to be in the family of God. Uh, let's go to another passage, to Romans chapter 3, uh, and see there what else the cross has achieved. Paul says uh, there in Romans 3, verse 25 to 26, he says, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Paul uh, here raises a problem. And the problem is that God had forgiven people in the past. That might not seem like a problem. That might seem like a really wonderful thing. Isn't it wonderful that God had forgiven people in the past? But Paul says actually here, that was a tremendous, tremendous problem. Why was that a problem? It was a problem because forgiveness without punishment, without without punishment, is unjust. Take a famous example from the Old Testament, uh, the example of King David. King David was a man described 
uh, as someone after God's own heart, you know, someone who just followed God all the time, was really lined up with, with God and his plans and purposes for us. That was, that was David. Uh, but one day he did something terrible. Uh, one day he did something that would lead in our day to a kind of a Me Too social media campaign against him. Uh, that is, he used his power, his authority, his influence uh, to sleep with another man's wife, uh, to bring her to his palace, to sleep with her. He got her pregnant, and then in order to cover it up, he uh, had her husband executed. And then one of God's prophets comes to David to challenge him about that. David recognises, as he's challenged, David recognises what he's done, the enormity of what he's done. And he even acknowledges it to God. He acknowledges it to God and God is able to forgive him. But that creates a problem. And the problem is, where's the justice? Where is the justice in that? Where is the justice for Bathsheba? Where's the justice for her husband? How can God just say, well, I've forgiven you? And just move on. Paul says, that forgiveness was a problem. We like to talk about forgiveness. We like to talk about forgiveness as though it doesn't cost anything. So when a gunman walks into a church or indeed into a mosque or any other building it's common for people to come out whether Christian or not actually and to say we've forgiven that person we've forgiven that gunman we think that saying things like that actually makes forgiveness powerful and wonderful but actually Paul says that actually makes forgiveness deeply problematic it makes forgiveness deeply unjust. Forgiveness like that isn't powerful and beautiful and wonderful. It's actually cheap. It's actually worthless. You see, forgiveness is not free. Forgiveness is not even remotely free. Forgiveness costs the life of Jesus, God's own son. Forgiveness without the cross is empty. It doesn't actually exist. And what it does is eliminate justice. But in the cross, God has brought those two things together. He's brought complete forgiveness and complete justice. When we say to someone who's shut up a church or a school or a salon... When we say to a person like that who remains completely unrepentant, when we say, we've forgiven you, we send the message that forgiveness is cheap. But forgiveness costs Jesus his life and that life and death and resurrection of Jesus needs to be embraced. Instead, we ought to stand as Jesus did with open arms and say, the death of Jesus is enough to cover all of your sins. What you've done is not enough to keep you from God. 
but the way to receive the forgiveness of God is by receiving the death of Jesus in your place. There is forgiveness, but there has to be justice in the cross as well. God has made forgiveness just by condemning sin in Jesus for those who trust in him. So the death of Jesus has cancelled the record of debt. It's brought reconciliation and peace from God to us. It's making us fit to be in his family. It's making us holy and blameless. It's dealt with God's justice. Two more things uh, quickly. Uh, The first is, it's also brought us confidence to approach God. Hebrews 10 verse 19 to 21 says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, By the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Here the writer of Hebrews says, uh, God says to us, Because the record has been cancelled, because we've been reconciled to God and brought into his family, because God's justice has been dealt with, we can come with confidence. When I was at school uh, for, I think from grade 2, I think it was, to grade 12, I went to the school where my father was the principal. Uh, And I don't know about you, but for everybody else in the school, maybe even some of the teachers... Going to the principal's office was a terrifying affair. You know, if you were called to go to the principal's office, you were terrified, weren't you? You did not go with confidence. Indeed, even if, you know, people went for things like interviews, you know, like student leader interviews and stuff like that, people often went with a sense of trepidation and fear. But when I went to the principal's office, when I was there for those 11 years, I never went with fear. Why was that? Well, because it was my father's office. And the Bible says it's the same with us and God. If we don't know God, if we're not in God's family, we we can only go to God with fear and trepidation. But once he's brought us into the family, once he's our father, we can go with confidence. Even even when things have gone badly, even when we've done something wrong, we can go with confidence. Because he's not the principle of the world, but he's a loving father who's brought us there at great cost. Finally, we focus so far on the implications of Jesus' death for our relationship with God helpful I think just to think about one of the other aspects and that is uh, the cross of cheese and that is how does it affect our relationships with each other and that is it's not only brought reconciliation for us with God but with uh, each other as well so Ephesians 2 uh, verse 13 and 14 Paul says but now in Christ you who are once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ that's the reconciliation with God bit for he himself is our peace who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. That's the one another bit. 
Paul talks about two things. First, our estrangement from God. And we've seen how the death of Jesus deals with that. But the other thing he wants to talk about is our estrangement from each other. Apart from our reconciliation with God, we're enemies of each other as well. We're estranged from each other. Sin has not only caused chaos in our relationship uh, with God, it's caused chaos in the relationship with all the people around us. But because the death of Jesus has reconciled us to God, the Bible says the death of Jesus has also reconciled us to each other. Flowing out of our renewed relationship with God is a renewed relationship with each other as well. Often when we think about salvation and what the cross has achieved, we think entirely in terms of that vertical dimension. You might almost think that what God has saved us to is not one family, but billions and billions of little families in which it's just me and God. But the Bible says, no, that's not what it is. When we're saved into God's family, we're all saved together. You might look around and you think, oh, I wish I wasn't saved with that person. But that's what God has done. He saved us all into one family. And we have not only a completely new relationship with God, but a completely new relationship with each other as well. Well, the cross is a doorway into a large room and we've only just begun to investigate some of the furniture in the room. We've seen the cancelling of the record of debt, reconciliation with God, peace with God, adoption of his family, being made fit for his family, dealing with God's justice, confidence to approach God and reconciliation with each other. But each one of those things are important and wonderful blessings from God that come to us when we go through that low doorway of the cross and receive everything that God offers for us in Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for what you have achieved for us in Jesus. Lord, we we thank you that while we were sinners, while we were enemies, Christ died for us. And Lord, for those of us who put our trust in Jesus, we thank you so much. The debt has been paid, never to be brought to the surface again. Lord, we thank you that we've been reconciled to you. There's no more hostility between you and us. But peace has been made once and for all. We are your children. Lord, we pray that you'd help us to recognise those realities when the fears come, when we worry about our past and what we've done against you, when we worry that you might not receive us. And when we worry about all those things, Lord, we pray that you'd help us to remember all the furniture of the room into which Christ has brought us through his death. Lord, we pray that you would help us to value and treasure those things. Lord, we pray too that you would help us not to keep these great treasures to ourselves. But Lord, that you would help us to go out into the whole world and invite others to see what's in that room as well.
Lord, we pray for our neighbours, for our children, our parents, our brothers and sisters, our friends, our colleagues at work, all who don't know Jesus. Lord, we pray that they too might find the wonder of all that Christ has purchased through his death and resurrection. We pray it for Jesus' sake. Amen.